At a time when it was believed that the earth sat on a large animal or on a giant, 1500 years before Christ, the Bible spoke of the earth's free float in space. He hangs the earth on nothing. Science didn't discover that the earth hangs on nothing until 1650, 3000 years later. Encyclopedia Britannica documents that in 1845, a young doctor in Vienna named Dr. Agnes Semmelweis was horrified at the death rate of women who gave birth in hospitals. As many as 30% died after childbirth. Semmelweis noted that doctors would examine the bodies of patients who died, then, without washing their hands, they would go straight to the next ward and examine expectant mothers. This was their normal practice, because the presence of microscopic diseases was unknown. Semmelweis insisted that doctors wash their hands before each examination. When they did that, the death rate immediately dropped down to 2%. Look now at the specific instructions the Bible gives to the Hebrew nation over 3,000 years ago when it comes to dealing with disease. And when he who has a discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes, and bathe his body in running water. Then he shall be clean. Nowadays, doctors wash their hands in running water. But it wasn't too long ago that they did so in a bowl of still water, leaving invisible germs on their hands. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement. Most of us don't think too much about the fact that a doctor can find out the health of our flesh by taking a sample of our blood. But the test can evaluate the health of our kidneys, our liver, thyroid and heart. Among other things, the blood can reveal diseases and conditions such as cancer, AIDS, diabetes, anemia, and coronary heart disease. However, the great biological truth about blood revealing the health of our flesh wasn't fully comprehended until comparatively recent years. Up until 120 years ago, people were bled, and many died because of the practice. When George Washington became deathly sick, doctors thought that bloodletting would help him. But it didn't. All told, his doctors took out about 80 ounces of blood over 12 hours, which is about 40% of an adult's blood volume. Nowadays, we know that sick people need blood, so we give them transfusions. Rather than removing it, we replace it or replenish it, because blood gives life to the flesh. More than a thousand years before Christ, the Bible stated this recently discovered biological truth. For the life of the flesh is in the blood.
The scriptures tell us that the earth is round. Isaiah 40:22 says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. The word translated circle is the Hebrew word chud, which is also translated circle or compass, depending on the context. That is, it indicates something spherical, rounded or arched, not something that's flat or square. The book of Isaiah was written sometime between 740 and 680 BC. Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, theorized that the earth was round by watching the masts of ships sink down over the horizon and from his studies of the moon during an eclipse. He noted that the shadow of the earth on the moon revealed that the earth was curved. He could have saved himself a lot of study if he had read the Bible which stated that fact 300 years earlier. It was another 2,000 years later, at a time when many in science believed that the Earth was flat, that the scriptures inspired Christopher Columbus to sail around the world. Matthew Murray is considered the father of oceanography. He noticed the expression, the paths of the sea, in Psalm 8 verse 8, written 2,800 years ago. And he said, if God said there are paths in the sea, I'm going to find them. Murray then took God at his word and went looking for these paths. And we are indebted to his discovery of the warm and cold continental currents. His book on oceanography remains a basic text on the subject and is still used in universities. In the book of Job, chapter 38, verse 35, God asked Job a very strange question back in 1500 BC. He asked, Can you send out lightnings that they may go and say to you, Here we are? This says that light can be sent and then manifest itself in speech. But did you know that all electromagnetic radiation from radio waves to X-rays travels at the speed of light? This is why we can have instantaneous wireless communication with someone on the other side of the earth. The fact that light could be sent and then manifest itself in speech wasn't discovered by science until 1864, 3,300 years later, when British scientist James Clerk Maxwell suggested that electricity and light waves were two forms of the same thing. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. <laughs> 
Everything is finished. Nature is complete. The brilliance of the light-giving sun is finished. The blue skies are finished. The clouds drop their rain, cleansing the air and giving life to the earth. The tall trees are finished, giving us oxygen to breathe. The rivers are finished, teeming with fish and filling our great oceans with water. The land is finished, yielding plants that give us food to eat. Nothing has a half-evolved eye or ear or leg or brain. It's all finished, from the animals to man to winged birds to the beauty and fragrance of a rose that blossoms to God's glory and for our pleasure. Nothing is evolving. Everything is finished, just as the Bible says. Genesis chapter 6, God gave Noah the dimensions of the 1.5 million cubic foot ark he was to build. It's interesting to note that in 1993 a scientific study was conducted by the South Korean world-class ship research center, Crisco. They compared 12 hulls of different shapes and discovered that no modern design outperformed the biblical model. The length of the ark was 6 times its width and 10 times its height. Many contemporary ships are built with similar proportions, although the length-to-breadth ratio is usually chosen with regard to the power required to move them through the water. The ark needed only to keep afloat. In Leviticus 13, verse 46, the Bible speaks of quarantine long before medical science discovered the importance of isolating those with infectious diseases. In 1490 BC, it gives instructions on what to do if someone has leprosy. He shall be unclean. All the days that he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Laws of quarantine were not instigated by modern man until the 17th century. The devastating Black Death of the 14th century took an estimated 70 million lives. This was because they failed to separate the sick from the healthy. When whole families fell ill, it was attributed to bad air. However, putting into practice the ordinances of quarantine laid out in Scripture would have saved millions of lives. In Job 40 verse 15, God himself speaks to Job of a creature he created called Behemoth. Some Bible commentators believe this creature is a hippopotamus, as does this particular commentator. 
Behold now Behemoth, which I made with you. He eats grass as an ox. Lo, his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. He moves his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are as strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He who made him can make his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring him forth food, where all the beasts of the field play. He lies under the shady trees in the covert of the reed and fens. The shady trees cover him with their shadow. The willows of the brook compass him about. Behold, he drinks up a river. He hastens not. He trusts that he can draw up Jordan unto his mouth. He takes it with his eyes. His nose pierces through sneers. Science can only speculate as to why the dinosaur disappeared. But the answer may be in this passage of scripture. As we have seen, some commentators think this is a reference to the hippopotamus. However, one of the characteristics of this massive animal was that it had a tail that is likened to a cedar, which is a very large tree. Clearly, the hippopotamus doesn't qualify. Here are the characteristics of this animal. It was the largest of all the creatures that God had made. It was plant-eating, that is, herbivorous. It had its strength in its hips, and a tail like a large tree. It had very strong bones, lived among the trees, drank massive amounts of water, and was not disturbed by a raging river. The Bible then says, He that made him can make his sword approach unto him. It would seem that God had caused this, the largest of all the creatures he had made, to become extinct. Do you believe the Bible? No. Would it make any difference to you if I told you the Bible is full of scientific and medical facts written thousands of years before man discovered them? It speaks of the earth's free float in space. It says, the book of Job, the earth hangs upon nothing. It says in the book of Isaiah, he that sits upon the circle of the earth. It speaks of quarantining thousands of years before we discovered it. It speaks of washing hands under running water when dealing with disease. Wouldn't that open your heart to it at least? You know what the problem is? It's not intellectual, it's moral. The reason we don't like the Bible is because it accuses us of being morally irresponsible. I don't believe Bible, Torah, Quran, none of them. The Bible, as much as I study, is not scientific. It's all theoretical by a bunch of people. They wrote it in, but it's scientifically, there is nothing in the Bible. The Jews Bible, which is Torah or Quran, is there is no scientific in it, all theoretical. In the book of Leviticus, it speaks of uh, the life of the flesh being in the blood. We didn't discover that until just recently, that your blood carries information about your flesh. Your blood tells your doctor all about your body. That was written in the Bible 3,000 years ago. That shows the Bible's supernatural in origin. There's many scientific and medical facts in the Bible.
great bones that are like brass. It's speaking of a, a dinosaur, it seems. And it says, he that made him can make a sword approach to him, which speaks of God making the dinosaur extinct. Have you ever read the Bible, Joshua? How do they make it extinct? It mirror, a big mirror about a half mile hit the areas. All the dinosaurs were standing in a little group and it got hit, they got hit by a meteor? Yeah, that's the way we, if we get hit right now, we're all going to go too. So the nothing that created everything was actually something? Exactly. Nothing came from the Big Bang and then we are here. Oscar, do you believe the Bible? Um, no, but I... Or yes, but I don't think you should take it in a very literal sense. So can you be specific? You mean Jesus didn't literally rise from the dead, or God didn't literally create the earth in six days? What do you mean? No, I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Juan, do you believe the Bible? Not particularly, no. Do you think there are mistakes in the Bible? I do think there are mistakes in the Bible. Can you think of any? Well, it's written over 3,500 years ago, so a lot of translation issues might have occurred. Do you think God could have preserved his word? You know, if you, if you pass a note to someone, it, it might change as they pass it on to someone, or a message. But if the person goes with the message and preserves it, it's not going to change. And God has preserved his word. When I've been reading the Bible every day without fail for nearly 44 years, and I've found no mistakes in the Bible. I've found seeming contradictions, but the mistakes have been my mistake. I just haven't understood something. The Bible's supernatural in origin. Do you know it, it contains scientific facts written thousands of years before man discovered them. Did you know that? I do not. So what scientific facts would they be? The book of Isaiah says the earth hangs upon nothing. It speaks of the earth's free float in space. The book of Leviticus says the life of the flesh is in the blood. If you go to see a doctor and you give him your blood, he can tell you how your flesh is doing because it contains information. We didn't discover that until recent years. They used to bloodlet people 100 years ago, thinking it, or 150 years ago, thinking it would do them good. Now we put blood into people because we know the life of your flesh is in your blood. So if you face God on judgment day and he judges you by the Ten Commandments, we've looked at four of them, are you going to be innocent or guilty? I'll be pretty guilty. When you go to heaven or hell? Uh, I don't know. Well, the Bible says, he's already told us, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. No thief, no blasphemer, no adulterer will inherit the kingdom of God. So what are you, what are you going to do on judgment day? How are you going to justify yourself? Now do you think I'm telling the truth or do you think I'm lying? Uh, you know, you you believe in what you believe in. I'd, I'd choose not to believe in. So what part don't you believe that I've spoken about? Uh, I'm telling you, your beliefs matter. If you're walking along a path and you believe the path is safe, you'll just keep going. But if, there's a land, if you believe there's a landmine right in front of you, you'll go around it. So beliefs do govern your actions. And if you believe God's like a, a dumb idol that doesn't care about justice or truth, you're going to stay in your sins. You'll end up in hell. This is so serious. So... Believe God's word. He, he speaks the truth. He doesn't lie. How old are you? 19. I don't believe that. How old are you? 19. No, I don't believe that. Where do you live? What city? Whittier. I don't believe that either. Now, isn't that an insult to you if I don't have faith in you? Yeah. So if you're a mere man and you're insulted by my lack of faith in your word, how much more do you think you insult God by a lack of faith in his word? You're calling God a liar when you say, I don't believe what he says in his word. And the Bible says, let none of you depart from the living God through an evil heart of unbelief. 
you can never establish a relationship with any human being without trust. You know, say, I, I, I like you as a girlfriend, but I don't trust you. It's not going to last. You say that to your brain surgeon, hey, I don't trust you, or your doctor, or your dentist, I don't trust you, or your banker, I don't trust you, or your pilot. No, you put faith in these people, and even though they can let you down, how much more should you trust the God who cannot lie? So think about the sin of unbelief. I don't believe what God says. Because you can establish the Bible as being God-inspired. It's God's Word, man. And I wouldn't lie to you, and I've told you the gospel truth today. So I want you to at least think about it. Will you do that? Yeah, I will. Angel, do you ever think about your own death? Uh, yeah. Are you afraid of dying? Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> do you know you can do something about it? Did you know that? What can I do about it? Well, God can grant you everlasting life. See, if you're in an elevator, 85th floor, and you've got no faith in the cables, you're going to be terrified. Isn't that right? Yes. Someone takes you out and says, hey, look at these cables. They're four inches thick. There's 10 of them. There's no way they could break if 10 elephants are in the elevator. Your knowledge would give you faith that would release you of fear. And God can give you knowledge that will explode your faith and take away the fear. Do you think you're a good person? Are you going to heaven when you die? I hope. I mean, God gives forgiveness, right? Have you lied and stolen? Uh, yes. I have. A lying thief? Have you ever used God's name in vain? I don't know. I think maybe once. <laughs> it's called blasphemy, and if you even do it once in the Old Testament, death sentences, that's serious. Do you know what God did so you wouldn't have to go to hell? He did, some, he did something incredible. What did God do? He became a human being 2,000 years ago and suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. You and I broke God's law, and Jesus paid our fine. If you're in court, even though you're guilty, if someone pays your fine, the judge can let you go. Well, God can let you go. He can forgive your case, your sins in an instant, and grant you the gift of everlasting life because He's rich in mercy. And if you'll repent and trust in Him who died on the cross and rose again on the third day, God will forgive every secret sin you've ever committed and grant you the gift of everlasting life. Now, that's some knowledge. Let me tell you about the, the uh, integrity of God. Do you think God can do everything? Yeah. God. The Bible says there's something God cannot do. It's impossible for God to lie. And the Bible uses the word impossible because lying and deceitfulness is repulsive, is disgusting to God. He would never do it. That means you can trust His integrity. You can trust His promises. That means when God says it in the Bible, you can trust it. Do you know the Bible's full of scientific and medical facts written thousands of years before man discovered them? Really? speaks of the earth's free float in space, Isaiah 40, the earth hangs upon nothing. speaks of the earth being round, he who sits upon the circle of the earth. It speaks of quarantining. Lepers were to dwell alone. We didn't understand quarantine until recent years. It speaks of washing your hands under running water. Just recently, doctors would wash their hands in a bowl of still water with germs kept on their hands. We didn't understand those principles. And if people had understood them, literally millions of lives would have been saved through the years because we wouldn't have spread diseases as we have read the Bible and believed it, they would, they would have known. Like, people had read the Bible and believed it, yeah, they would have known and lives were being saved. So do you think I'm telling the truth about God can grant you everlasting life in an instant? Yes. You've got to do two things to be saved, repent and trust Christ. When are you going to do that? As soon as possible. <laughs> today? I, I think I could do it today, yes. It's just a matter of apologizing to God for your sins. And saying, Lord, I trust you. You, you. you cannot lie. I trust your integrity. I'm going to lean myself upon you and trust you with my eternal salvation. Does that make sense? Yes. Can I pray with you? It wouldn't make any difference to you to know the Bible's full of medical and scientific facts? Not really. 
You know, if you were on a plane and you didn't see your need to put on a parachute, one of the best things I could do for you would be to hang you out the plane by your ankles for five seconds. And when you come in, your, your, your good sense would kick in and say, give me that parachute, because you know that you're in danger. And so knowing the Bible is full of scientific and medical facts won't bring you to Christ, but knowing you're in danger will. Do you think you're in danger when you die? You're in danger in everyday life. But I mean eternal danger. I don't mean you know, in danger of being hit by a car. I mean in danger of ending up in hell. Let me hang you out the plane by your ankles just for a second, Rock, okay? It won't take long. It won't be very pleasant, but it'll be very profitable for you. How many lies have you told in your whole life? Oh, thousands, I'm sure. Have you ever stolen something? I'm sure plenty of times when I was a kid I've stolen. I mean, kids see something shiny, they like it, they're going to grab it. Gold or diamonds. Um, have you ever used God's name in vain? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever done that? Of course. Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? I always look at that woman with lust and love, and I want to have them. So, Rock, you've just told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterate heart, and you've got to face God on Judgment Day. So, when you stand before him and he judges you by the commandments, you're going to be innocent or guilty. Guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. This is where your good sin should kick in. <laughs> where you say, hey, I need a Savior. I need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I need my sins forgiven. And God's provided a Savior, one who died on the cross for our sins, took our punishment, so we wouldn't have to go to hell. If you're in court, even though you're guilty, if someone pays your fine, the judge can let you go. And God can let you go. He can let you live forever because of what Jesus did through his death and resurrection. What you have to do is repent and trust in him like you trust a parachute. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the scriptures say. So would he at least think about this, Rock? I'll give it a thought. Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. You need not go to hell because he paid the fine for the law that you and I broke and then he rose from the dead and defeated death. I studied a lot of Quran. I found out a lot of them is lie and cheater. At the same time, I talked to the priest and the non-priest. They don't believe to buy their Bible either. Well, they don't believe the Bible, but you can. And if you believe the Bible, you'll put it into practice because it's got a thread of hell and a promise of heaven, and you can't make a mistake on this one. You got a little kid you love? Got two of them. Two of them. What are you going to say to them when they say, Daddy, why am I going to die? Well, my daughter's currently growing up a Christian. She's 10 years old. You're talking to me today because of her prayers. That religion is just absolutely uncalled for. We're, we are just mere things floating on a rock in space. Believing in God makes no sense. It, it's, to, to me, it's the dumbest thing. We are not only figuratively, but literally stardust. Are you an atheist? I am. So you're an atheist? Yes. Yes. I am. I need to know what to believe in. Like what happens when you die? Yes, I don't want to be a bag of dust. Did you know that 54 million people die every year? People just like you and me who love life. If you were shown evidence, you would change your mind because you're open. 
Absolutely. I think I am open to evidence. It just would have to be extraordinarily compelling, like out of this world compelling. Has this made you think today? It definitely has. I'll definitely consider this eye-opening. Wow. I hope I get enough guts to get myself out of this stinking plan. You gonna kill yourself? Yeah, I'd like to. Can you see what you're doing? Yeah. I'm lying to myself. At a time when it was believed that the Earth sat on a large animal or on a giant 1500 years before Christ, the Bible spoke of the Earth's free float in space. He hangs the Earth on nothing. Science didn't discover that the Earth hangs on nothing until 1650, 3000 years later. Encyclopedia Britannica documents that in 1845, a young doctor in Vienna named Dr. Agnes Semmelweis was horrified at the death rate of women who gave birth in hospitals. As many as 30% died after childbirth. Semmelweis noted that doctors would examine the bodies of patients who died, then, without washing their hands, they would go straight to the next ward and examine expectant mothers. This was their normal practice, because the presence of microscopic diseases was unknown. Semmelweis insisted that doctors wash their hands before each examination. When they did that, the death rate immediately dropped down to 2%. Look now at the specific instructions the Bible gives to the Hebrew nation over 3,000 years ago when it comes to dealing with disease. And when he who has a discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes, and bathe his body in running water. Then he shall be clean. Nowadays, doctors wash their hands in running water. But it wasn't too long ago that they did so in a bowl of still water, leaving invisible germs on their hands. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement. 
Most of us don't think too much about the fact that a doctor can find out the health of our flesh by taking a sample of our blood. But the test can evaluate the health of our kidneys, our liver, thyroid and heart. Among other things, the blood can reveal diseases and conditions such as cancer, AIDS, diabetes, anemia and coronary heart disease. However, the great biological truth about blood revealing the health of our flesh wasn't fully comprehended until comparatively recent years. Up until 120 years ago, people were bled and many died because of the practice. When George Washington became deathly sick, doctors thought that bloodletting would help him. But it didn't. All told, his doctors took out about 80 ounces of blood over 12 hours, which is about 40% of an adult's blood volume. Nowadays, we know that sick people need blood, so we give them transfusions. Rather than removing it, we replace it or replenish it, because blood gives life to the flesh. More than a thousand years before Christ, the Bible stated this recently discovered biological truth. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. The scriptures tell us that the earth is round. Isaiah 40:22 says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. The word translated circle is the Hebrew word chud, which is also translated circuit or compass, depending on the context. That is, it indicates something spherical, rounded or arched, not something that's flat or square. The book of Isaiah was written sometime between 740 and 680 BC. Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, theorized that the earth was round by watching the masts of ships sink down over the horizon and from his studies of the moon during an eclipse. He noted that the shadow of the earth on the moon revealed that the earth was curved. He could have saved himself a lot of study if he had read the Bible which stated that fact 300 years earlier. It was another 2,000 years later, at a time when many in science believed that the earth was flat, that the scriptures inspired Christopher Columbus to sail around the world. Matthew Murray is considered the father of oceanography. He noticed the expression, the paths of the sea, in Psalm 8 verse 8, written 2,800 years ago. And he said, If God said there are paths in the sea, I'm going to find them. Maury then took God at his word and went looking for these paths, and we are indebted to his discovery of the warm and cold continental currents. His book on oceanography remains a basic text on the subject and is still used in universities.
In the book of Job, chapter 38, verse 35, God asked Job a very strange question back in 1500 BC. He asked, Can you send out lightnings that they may go and say to you, Here we are? This says that light can be sent and then manifest itself in speech. But did you know that all electromagnetic radiation from radio waves to X-rays travels at the speed of light? This is why we can have instantaneous wireless communication with someone on the other side of the Earth. The fact that light could be sent and then manifest itself in speech wasn't discovered by science until 1864, 3,300 years later, when British scientist James Clerk Maxwell suggested that electricity and light waves were two forms of the same thing. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. Everything is finished. Nature is complete. The brilliance of the light-giving sun is finished. The blue skies are finished. The clouds drop their rain, cleansing the air and giving life to the earth. The tall trees are finished, giving us oxygen to breathe. The rivers are finished teeming with fish and filling our great oceans with water. The land is finished, yielding plants that give us food to eat. Nothing has a half-evolved eye or ear or leg or brain. It's all finished, from the animals to man to winged birds to the beauty and fragrance of a rose that blossoms to God's glory and for our pleasure. Nothing is evolving. Everything is finished just as the Bible says. chapter 6, God gave Noah the dimensions of the 1.5 million cubic foot ark he was to build. It's interesting to note that in 1993 a scientific study was conducted by the South Korean world-class ship research center, Crisco. They compared 12 hulls of different shapes and discovered that no modern design outperformed the biblical model. The length of the ark was six times its width and ten times its height. Many contemporary ships are built with similar proportions, although the length-to-breadth ratio is usually chosen with regard to the power required to move them through the water. The ark needed only to keep afloat. In Leviticus 13, verse 46, the Bible speaks of quarantine long before medical science discovered the importance of isolating those with infectious diseases. In 
1490 BC, it gives instructions on what to do if someone has leprosy. He shall be unclean. All the days that he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Laws of quarantine were not instigated by modern man until the 17th century. The devastating Black Death of the 14th century took an estimated 70 million lives. This was because they failed to separate the sick from the healthy. When whole families fell ill, it was attributed to bad air. However, putting into practice the ordinances of quarantine laid out in Scripture would have saved millions of lives. In Job 40 verse 15, God himself speaks to Job of a creature he created called Behemoth. Some Bible commentators believe this creature is a hippopotamus, as does this particular commentator. Behold now Behemoth, which I made with you. He eats grass as an ox. Lo, his strength is at his loins, and his force is in the navel of his belly. He moves his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his stones are wrapped together. His bones are as strong pieces of brass. His bones are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He who made him can make his sword to approach unto him. Surely the mountains bring him forth food, where all the beasts of the field play. He lies under the shady trees in the covert of the reed and fens. The shady trees cover him with their shadow. The willows of the brook compass him about. Behold, he drinks up a river. He hastens not. He trusts that he can draw up Jordan unto his mouth. He takes it with his eyes. His nose pierces through sneers. Science can only speculate as to why the dinosaur disappeared. But the answer may be in this passage of scripture. As we have seen, some commentators think this is a reference to the hippopotamus. However, one of the characteristics of this massive animal was that it had a tail that is likened to a cedar which is a very large tree. Clearly, the hippopotamus doesn't qualify. Here are the characteristics of this animal. It was the largest of all the creatures that God had made. It was plant-eating, that is, herbivorous. It had its strength in its hips and a tail like a large tree. It had very strong bones, lived among the trees, drank massive amounts of water, and was not disturbed by a raging river. The Bible then says, He that made him can make his sword approach unto him. It would seem that God had caused this, the largest of all the creatures he had made, to become extinct. Do you believe the Bible? No. Would it make any difference to you if I told you the Bible is full of scientific and medical facts written thousands of years before man discovered them? 
it speaks of the earth's free float in space. It says, the book of Job, the earth hangs upon nothing. It says in the book of Isaiah, he that sits upon the circle of the earth. It speaks of quarantining thousands of years before we discovered it. It speaks of washing hands under running water when dealing with disease. Wouldn't that open your heart to it at least? You know what the problem is? It's not intellectual, it's moral. The reason we don't like the Bible is because it accuses us of being morally irresponsible. I don't believe Bible, Torah, Quran, none of them. The Bible, as much as I study, is not scientific. It's all theoretical by a bunch of people. They wrote it in, but it's scientifically, there is nothing in the Bible. The Jews' Bible, which is Torah or Quran, is there is no scientific in it, all theoretical. In the book of Leviticus, it speaks of uh, the life of the flesh being in the blood. We didn't discover that until just recently, that your blood carries information about your flesh. Your blood tells your doctor all about your body. That was written in the Bible 3,000 years ago. That shows the Bible's supernatural on origin. There's many scientific and medical facts in the Bible. great bones that are like brass. It's speaking of a, a dinosaur, it seems. And it says, he that made him can make a sword approach to him, which speaks of God making the dinosaur extinct. Have you ever read the Bible, Joshua? How do they make it extinct? It meteor, a big meteor, about a half mile, hit the areas. All the dinosaurs were standing in a little group and it got hit, they got hit by a meteor? Yeah, that's the way we, if we get hit right now, we're all going to go too. So the nothing that created everything was actually something? Exactly. Nothing came from the Big Bang and then we are here. Oscar, do you believe the Bible? Um, no, but I... Or yes, but I don't think you should take it in a very literal sense. So can you be specific? You mean Jesus didn't literally rise from the dead or God didn't literally create the earth in six days? What do you mean? No, I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Juan, do you believe the Bible? Not particularly, no. Do you think there are mistakes in the Bible? I do think there are mistakes in the Bible. Can you think of any? Well, it's written over 3,500 years ago, so a lot of translation issues might have occurred. Do you think God could have preserved his word? You know, if you, if you pass a note to someone, it, it might change as they pass it on to some, or a message. But if the person goes with the message and preserves it, it's not going to change. And God has preserved his word. When I've been reading the Bible every day without fail for nearly 44 years, and I've found no mistakes in the Bible. I've found seeming contradictions, but the mistakes have been my mistake. I just haven't understood something. The Bible's supernatural in origin. Do you know it, it contains scientific facts written thousands of years before man discovered them. Did you know that? I do not. So what scientific facts would they be? The book of Isaiah says the earth hangs upon nothing. It speaks of the earth's free float in space. The book of Leviticus says the life of the flesh is in the blood. 
If you go to see a doctor and you give him your blood, he can tell you how your flesh is doing because it contains information. We didn't discover that until recent years. They used to bloodlet people 100 years ago, thinking it, or 150 years ago, thinking it would do them good. Now we put blood into people because we know the life of your flesh is in your blood. So if you face God on Judgment Day and He judges you by the Ten Commandments, we've looked at four of them, are you going to be innocent or guilty? I'll be pretty guilty. When you go to heaven or hell? Uh, I don't know. The Bible said he's already told us all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. No thief, no blasphemer, no adulterer will inherit the kingdom of God. So what are you what are you gonna do on judgment day? How are you gonna justify yourself? Now do you think I'm telling the truth or do you think I'm lying? Uh you know, you you believe in what you believe in, I'd I choose not to believe in So what part don't you believe that I've spoken about? Uh I'm telling you, your beliefs matter. If you're walking along a path and you believe the path is safe, you'll just keep going. But if, there's a land, if you believe there's a landmine right in front of you, you'll go around it. So beliefs do govern your actions. And if you believe God's like a, a dumb idol that doesn't care about justice or truth, you're going to stay in your sin. You'll end up in hell. This is so serious. So believe God's word. He, he speaks the truth. He doesn't lie. How old are you? 19. I don't believe that. How old are you? 19. No, I don't believe that. Where do you live? What city? Whittier. I don't believe that either. Now isn't that an insult to you if I don't have faith in you? Yeah. So if you're a mere man and you're insulted by my lack of faith in your word, how much more do you think you insult God by a lack of faith in his word? You're calling God a liar when you say I don't believe what he says in his word. And the Bible says let none of you depart from the living God through an evil heart of unbelief. You can never establish a relationship with any human being without trust. You know, say I, I, I like you as a girlfriend but I don't trust you. It's not going to last. You say that to your brain surgeon, hey, I don't trust you, or your doctor, or your dentist, I don't trust you, or your banker, I don't trust you, or your pilot. No, you put faith in these people, and even though they can let you down, how much more should you trust the God who cannot lie? So think about the sin of unbelief. I don't believe what God says. Because you can establish the Bible as being God-inspired. It's God's word, man. And I wouldn't lie to you, and I've told you the gospel truth today. So I want you to at least think about it. Will you do that? Yeah, I will. Angel, do you ever think about your own death? Uh, yeah. Are you afraid of dying? Yeah, yeah I am. <laughs> do you know you can do something about it? Did you know that? What can I do about it? Well, God can grant you everlasting life. See, if you're in an elevator, 85th floor, and you've got no faith in the cables, you're going to be terrified, isn't that right? Yes. Someone takes you out and says, hey, look at these cables, they're four inches thick. There's ten of them. There's no way they could break if ten elephants are in the elevator. Your knowledge would give you faith that would release you of fear. And God can give you knowledge that will explode your faith and take away the fear. Do you think you're a good person? Are you going to heaven when you die? I hope. I mean, God gives forgiveness, right? Have you lied and stolen? Uh, yes. Uh, a lying thief? Have you ever used God's name in vain? I don't know. I think maybe once. <laughs> it's called blasphemy, and if you even do it once in the Old Testament, death sentences, that's serious. Do you know what God did so you wouldn't have to go to hell? He did, some, he did something incredible. What did God do? He became a human being 2,000 years ago and suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. You and I broke God's law and Jesus paid our fine. If you're in court, even though you're guilty, if someone pays your fine, the judge can let you go. Well, God can let you go. He can forgive your case, your sins in an instant and grant you the gift of everlasting life because he's rich in mercy. And if you'll repent and trust in him who died on the cross and rose again on the third day, God will forgive every secret sin you've ever committed and grant you the gift of everlasting life. 
Now that's some knowledge. Let me tell you about the, the uh, integrity of God. Do you think God can do everything? Yeah, He's God. The Bible says there's something God cannot do. It's impossible for God to lie. And the Bible uses the word impossible because lying and deceitfulness is repulsive, it's disgusting to God. He would never do it. That means you can trust His integrity, you can trust His promises. That means when God says it in the Bible, you can trust it. Do you know the Bible's full of scientific and medical facts written thousands of years before man discovered them? Really? It speaks of the earth's free float in space, Isaiah 40, the earth hangs upon nothing. It speaks of the earth being round, he who sits upon the circle of the earth. It speaks of quarantining, lepers were to dwell alone. We didn't understand quarantine until recent years. It speaks of washing your hands under running water. Just recently, doctors would wash their hands in a bowl of still water with germs kept on their hands. We didn't understand those principles. And if people had understood them, literally millions of lives would have been saved through the years because we wouldn't have spread diseases as we have. People read the Bible and believed it, they would, they would have known. Like, people had read the Bible and believed it, yeah, they would have known and lives would have been saved. So do you think I'm telling the truth about God can grant you everlasting life in an instant? Yes. You've got to do two things to be saved, repent and trust Christ. When are you going to do that? As soon as possible. <laughs> today? I, I think I could do it today, yes. It's just a matter of apologizing to God for your sins and saying, Lord, I trust you. You, you, you cannot lie. I trust your integrity. I'm going to lean myself upon you and trust you with my eternal salvation. Does that make sense? Yes. Can I pray with you? It wouldn't make any difference to you to know the Bible's full of medical and scientific facts? Not really. You know, if you were on a plane and you didn't see your need to put on a parachute, one of the best things I could do for you would be to hang you out the plane by your ankles for five seconds. And when you come in, your, your, your good sense would kick in and say, give me that parachute, because you know that you're in danger. And so knowing the Bible is full of scientific and medical facts won't bring you to Christ, but knowing you're in danger will. Do you think you're in danger when you die? You're in danger in everyday life. No, but I mean eternal danger. I don't mean you know, in danger of being hit by a car. I mean in danger of ending up in hell. Let me hang you out the plane by your ankles just for a second, Rock, okay? It won't take long. It won't be very pleasant, but it'll be very profitable for you. How many lies have you told in your whole life? Oh, thousands, I'm sure. Have you ever stolen something? I'm sure plenty of times when I was a kid I've stolen. I mean, kids see something shiny, they like it, they're going to grab it. Gold or diamonds. Um, have you ever used God's name in vain? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever done that? Of course. Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? I always look at that woman with lust and love, and I want to have them. So, Rock, you've just told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterate heart, and you've got to face God on Judgment Day. So, when you stand before him and he judges you by the commandments, you're going to be innocent or guilty. Guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. This is where your good sin should kick in. <laughs> where you say, hey, I need a Savior. I need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I need my sins forgiven. And God's provided a Savior, one who died on the cross for our sins, took our punishment, so we wouldn't have to go to hell. If you're in court, even though you're guilty, if someone pays your fine, the judge can let you go. And God can let you go. He can let you live forever because of what Jesus did through his death and resurrection. What you have to do is repent and trust in him like you trust a parachute. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the scriptures say. So would he at least think about this, Rock? I'll give it a thought. 
Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. You need not go to hell because he paid the fine for the law that you and I broke and then he rose from the dead and defeated death. I studied a lot of Quran. I found out a lot of them is lie and cheater. At the same time, I talked to the priests and the non-priests. They don't believe to buy their Bible either. Well, they don't believe the Bible, but you can. And if you believe the Bible, you'll put it into practice because it's got a thread of hell and a promise of heaven and you can't make a mistake on this one. You got a little kid you love? Yeah, two of them. Two of them. What are you going to say to them when they say, Daddy, why am I going to die? Well, my daughter's currently growing up a Christian. She's 10 years old. You're talking to me today because of her prayers. Religion is just absolutely uncalled for. We're, we are just mere things floating on a rock in space. Believing in God makes no sense. It, it's, to, to me, it's the dumbest thing. We are not only figuratively, but literally stardust. Are you an atheist? I am. So you're an atheist? Yes. Yes. I am. I need to know what to believe in. Like what happens when you die? Yes, I don't want to be a bag of dust. Did you know that 54 million people die every year? People just like you and me who love life. If you were shown evidence, you would change your mind because you're open. Absolutely. I think I am open to evidence. It just would have to be extraordinarily compelling, like out of this world compelling. Has this made you think today? It definitely has. I'll definitely consider this eye-opening. Wow. I hope I get enough guts to get myself out of this stinking planet. You gonna kill yourself? Yeah, I'd like to. Can you see what you're doing? Yeah. I'm lying to myself. 